Shock Monkey Radio is entertainment for adults, by adults, and the views and opinions expressed here do not reflect upon the sponsors or FXPG Public Radio. For additional information, please refer to the United States Bill of Rights. Stand warned. Hello and welcome to Shock Monkey Radio. I am your host, the Madman. Sorry about last week, I was kind of ill. And uh, you may have noticed my head injury, but do not worry, dear listener. This only happened a couple of days ago. You see it right there? Okay. I would love to tell you that some secret government agent clocked me on the noggin and took me to some hidden underground base in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia industrial complex and to threaten me about the things that I say on my show before last week's surprise absence. Ha ha ha. But no, the tickle in my throat turned into a full-blown mucus and sinus thing that I have every year around this time, especially since I am a heavy smoker. This illness left my lung capacity feeble, and a couple of days ago I went into a coughing fit, which happens, but I ended up slipping out of my chair and banging my big fat head against the concrete. I swear I had only had three beers at that point. I would like to say that I blacked out, but there was no blackout. And just like every other time I've had my bell rung, the VHS tape just kept playing with what seemed like a short skip. I got up off the floor and went to the bathroom with blood dripping down my face and left hand. I looked in the mirror and I immediately thought how I had just lost a fight with a left-handed person. I hate how confused my thoughts were in those first moments, but then I realized that these were Humpty Dumpty wounds. Right temple on the floor, left hand scraping the brick on the way down. So like the egg that is so often portrayed as Humpty Dumpty, I may be a bit scrambled, fair warning. But I do feel fine now. Nothing like making an omelet with broken eggs. You can argue all day with people, even people who are making you the omelet, that there's no difference between an omelet and just scrambled eggs with whatever toppings you want. But are you telling me that there's no difference between a burrito and a taco salad? Obviously, you can't eat an omelet with your hands, but we could start a drive through omelet business. Anyway, I'm all good. I've taken a lot of shots to my big fat head, and I know it could scramble memories and thoughts. But I learned a few things out of this. Number one, I need more exercise. And maybe we all do. It's been a long winter of COVID and now it's spring and believe me, it's safe. You and I have no excuse to not be at least walking around the neighborhood every day. Wave at your neighbors. Number two, I need to cut back on the smoking. I can't stop, obviously, because nicotine, like caffeine, have, has, have, been a crutch, which is a tool, obviously, you ableist bastard, which nicotine and caffeine have been a crutch, which is a tool for writers for thousands of years. And three, I need to save my game more. Anyway, so uh, I know I missed last week. I'm sorry about that. We started a little bit late today. We had some technical difficulties. It happens. It happens. Anyway, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> so um, <clears throat> I'm going to continue on with this series of great movie rants. And even though I was sick and I wasn't able to, uh, to speak for an hour straight without, you know, those kind of disgusting noises on my podcast, so I decided to, you know, to go ahead and cancel last week. But the one thing I was upset about is I didn't really get to do these rants last week. So let's talk about these movie rants. You see if you can guess what movie they're from. All right, this is a rant from a drunk in a bar. See, there's three type kinds. See, there's three kinds of people: dicks, pussies, and assholes. Pussies thinks that everyone can get along and dicks just want to fuck all the time without thinking it through. But then you got your assholes. And all the assholes want is to shit all over everything. So pussies may get mad at dicks once in a while because pussies get fucked by dicks. 
but dicks also fuck assholes, Chuck. And if they didn't fuck assholes, you know what you'd get? You'd get your dick and your pussy all covered in shit. And if you don't know, that's from Team America World Police. And it's a, it's a true vulgarian's rant. <laughs> it really is. However, there is some real simplistic genius to this argument. It's like, if you really divide people into three different categories in the world, dicks, pussies, and assholes, you know, you can really kind of live your life in a simple kind of understanding about how the world works. Now, which am I? Am I a dick? Am I a pussy? Or am I an asshole? A lot of times I think I fall into the asshole category. Which do you fall into? Like I said, it's a true vulgarian's rant, but there's a, a, a sim- simplistic beauty to the vulgarity. All right, let's go on to this next one from a real messed up uh, scene. Uh, I'll explain later. You see if you can guess it. Well, I believe in the soul, the cock, the pussy, the small of a woman's back, the hanging curveball, high fiber, good scotch, that the novels of Susan Sontag are are self-indulgent, overrated crap. I believe Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. I believe there ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing AstroTurf and the designated hitter. I believe in the sweet spot, softcore pornography, opening your presents on Christmas morning rather than Christmas Eve, and I believe in long, slow, deep, soft, wet kisses that last three days. Good night. You know what that one is? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. That is from Kevin Costner in Bull Durham. And this was a scene where uh, Susan Sarandon and her future husband, uh, Tim Robbins, or were they already married at that point? I don't know. Anyway, so Tim Robbins, and she, <laughs> Susan Sarandon sits down, Tim Robbins and Kevin Costner on the couch and says, look, basically I only bang one baseball player every season. You guys got to figure out who's going to be. <laughs> and he, uh, Kevin Costner, it's messed up, man. Bull Durham's a messed up movie. <laughs> baseball. But, um. So uh, Kevin Costner says, you know, no, no, I don't do that. You know, I'm, I'm a minor league ball player. You know, I'm tired of tryouts. You know, you want me, you come get me. And so I think that this, this little rant, it proves that sometimes a rant can be charming. You know, it, was, it, it got a little bit, it's like a ranty about the baseball. It was like, oh, I, want, I have extreme views on baseball. It doesn't need to hear it needs to go. I'm with you, Kevin Costner. You know, AstroTurf, that needs to go. I'm with you, Kevin Costner. You know, and even going off into some, like, uh, other cultural thing, like Susan Sontag's na- novels. Like, do you believe Kevin Costner actually read that? <laughs> or probably because some woman told him to read it. Anyway, and so it could be a little out there. You could, uh, you, you could take harsh positions, but you can also be charming by, you know, just adding adjectives to the word kiss. <laughs> Before you use the word kiss to charm the pants out of the team slut, basically. Anyway. That was Bull Durham, if you didn't know. The last one, great movie rants. Wrong, sir, wrong. Under Section 37B of the contract signed by him, it states quite clearly that all offers shall be called, shall become, become null and void if, and if you can read this by yourself in the photostatic, photostatic copy, I, the undersigned, shall forfeit all rights, privileges, and licenses herein and herein contained, etc., etc., fax mentis incendium gloria cultum, Etc. Etc. Mimo bis punitor delicatum. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. You stole fizzy lifting drinks. You bumped in the ceiling, which now has to be washed and sanitized. So you will get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. And if you don't know that one, that's Willy Wonka. EK's all over it. 
That's Willy Wonka. And what's great about that rant is that it is, it is the perfect amount of Wonka crazy. It's a perfect amount of Wonka crazy, where it's like, it's all clear, clear as crystal, all these, uh, I think it's gibberish, Latin words. <laughs> I didn't look it up because I'm not that nerdy. But he also had them all signed this weird contract at the beginning, walking into the factory, where all the text just got smaller and smaller, the finer print got finer and finer, you know what I mean? And he, <laughs> excuse me. And so they pull out this photostatic copy that they had to zoom into the text on. It's like, who'd they get to write that thing? Oompa Loompas? Anyway. And you know, Willy Wonka is an interesting cat. Don't you think? I'm talking about the Gene Wilder one. See, I didn't see any other version of it. So, I mean, Willy Wonka, he's almost like a supervillain. I mean, honestly, who do you think is more of a threat to Batman? The Riddler? Or Willy Wonka. Maybe Batman's investigation lead him towards a, mu- a bunch of missing children at the Wonka factory. Maybe checking in on the slavery rumors about the Oompa Loompas. He uses a whistle to summon them, you know. Wonka had that dark side. Is it raining? Is it snowing? Is the hurricane a-blowing? Not a speck of light is showing. So the danger keeps on growing. Are the fires of hell a-glowing? You know what I mean? <laughs> I am surprised no comic books took up Wonka as a bad guy. I imagine it's intellectual pro- property rights holding that up. Butter scotch? Butter gin? And Wonka says candy is dandy, but liquor is slicker? Homeboy gets his drink on. Butter gin sounds gross, though. Then consider his office at the end of the movie. Half of everything. Everything in the office is halved, like Dewey Cox's brother. That implies some sort of psychological issue if he decorated that room that way. Is he half the man he used to be, all stone temple pilots? Or does he feel like he only experienced half of life, making candy, rescuing Oompa Loompas, bringing all that joy to children and people who love candy, but no wife or child to leave his legacy to? Now he has to give it all the way to weird Charlie Bucket and uh, his weird bedridden yet cokehead grandpa. Speaking of saving the Oompa Loompas and Willy Wonkas, got PTSD from fighting off those vermicious canids. Also, where does the Willy Wonka factory exist in this movie? Everyone speaks English, half of which have an American accent, half of them are British. You have some German speakers, and the town looks like London for street level, but Germany from the air, and the Wonka Vader. See, he is a supervillain, the Wonka Vader. He has a Wonka Vader. He has a spaceship that shoots out of his factory. That is super villain shit to install in your factory. And Batman watches stoically from the shadows as he walks, as the Wonka Vader blasts off with Charlie Gramps and the Wonka. Now we can add child endangerment to the charges, Wonka, Batman says grimly. Gee, how do you mean, Batman? Robin asks. Never mind. That's my Willy Wonka rant. Mmm. Beer, delicious beer. You know how it is when you're at the end of the end of the cold and your fo- uh, throat is all scratchy. That's what it's like. It's like my throat is always dry. It's it sucks. Anyway, um, I do want to talk about gaming a little bit because I was able to, uh, before I got sick. Uh, whoa, must have knocked my mic there. Before I got sick. Oh, I have mic problems here. Check check. Okay. Checking the mic here. All right. So, uh, I did some gaming. Uh, it was a couple weeks ago. 
and we played, uh, uh, it's called Zia or Zaya, X-I-A, Legends of Address System, and it was really fun. It was really, really fun. But I do want to talk about um, uh, playing, when it comes to games like that, whether it's a strategy game like Zia or it's a role-playing game like Heroes Unlimited, you know, uh, I, I highly recommend playing with your gut more than using your brains, you know. Um, you can sit there and get bogged down in all the rules of the, you get involved in some new game, whether it's Heroes Unlimited, whether it's Dungeons and Dragons, whether it's this is the Legends of Address system. It's like once you get the general idea of how the game works and how gameplay works, you know, just play with your gut. You know, don't get try to bog go, don't get bogged down in the rules. I don't I don't I don't find it that I find that kind of stuff makes the game unfun. Yeah, and um, when it comes to like games like uh, Zia Legends of Address system. Um, it seems like a very simpler uh, version of a game we used to play called Firefly. And Firefly is incredibly complica complicated. Lots and lots of rules. It's a pain in the butt to play. There's so many pieces, it's ridiculous. And I'm not saying that Zia Legends of Address System has too many, uh, has, has way too few pieces. I'm not saying that. There are plenty of pieces in a lot of these board games these days. But when, if, you get, if you get your bog down into the rules too much, I think that detracts from the fun of the game. And even when we play Heroes Unlimited, which is a role-playing game. When we play that game, it's, uh, it's more about the, the story, the, the creating the narrative with other people, than it is about, like, oh, you can't do that because you're armorating it. You know, that takes away from it. You know, and if you're sitting there, you're scouring the rule book before you take an action, and it's like, hold on, let me, I just want to look up one more thing. If you're doing all that, just trying to figure out, you know, you know, uh, some little rule that's going to help you somewhere, and so, and so I think you're detracting from your experience. I think you're having you're not having as much fun. Game with your gut, not your brain. And then you have those people like who are min maxers who will learn the game, they'll study the rule book, they'll cover all the rule book, and they'll borrow it and overnight, you know, they <laughs> they learn how to maximize their strength, speed and so forth like that just so they can get the maximum dam damage bonus and so forth. And, and then you just, you know, you you throw psychics at them or something like that, and, you know, you can still stop them and so forth as a like game master kind of kind of meta meta thing but the point is is that you know don't bog yourself down on the rules and just have fun find a character that you want to play that have fun with now i've also played champions online if you don't if you don't know that i, I mentioned that i play champions online which is a free-to-play game if you want to join me on champions online so i'm at madman313 find me and we can uh, we can do some things um, but uh, I have lots of characters, and the characters that I like tend to be more of the like hot superhero action characters. The people who are just like throwing massive fireballs, or you know, getting in the in the heat of things. Like I have one called Amendment Five, who's like he creates a he's a sailor sailor Captain America kind of character. And he creates this energy sword. He fights people. He he gets in the thick in the melee. You know, arg. <laughs> and those are the kind of characters I like. It's not the person in the back. Heal, 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 heal. That's not fun at all, <laughs> especially when it comes to superhero things. When it comes to like games like World of Warcraft and stuff like that, it's fun to be a healer. It's fun to be a be, yeah, be a tank and so forth. But when it comes to a game like a, a superhero game, I really want to use like a character that's fun to play. And a fun to play character for me in superhero games, whether it's Heroes Unlimited or, or uh, Champions Online, it's, I want hot superhero action. I want to punch people and knock them through walls. <laughs> That's, that's what I like as a player, and so I want to tell you, there are some other games that I've played in the past that I think that have, have way too many rules, all right? Uh, there was this game I played back in the day called Starfleet Battles. I don't know if you've ever played this game, but this rule book is like that thick, all right? 
and I wish I could say it's, it's like it's like a novel thick. I would say that, but it, at least a novel has a narrative. You know, a lot of these role-playing games, you get the source book and stuff like that. They'll have a narrative to the source book. But the Starfleet Battles rule book was written like a Starfleet technical manual. 1.1.1.0. Rule 1.1 so, so that people can access rules. And the, it was the tedium of this game to have a starship and have it travel to sector to sector. you got to allocate, like, all your impulse points. It's like, am I going to warp? If I'm going to warp, then you need to allocate warp points. It's ridiculous. It was ridiculous. And so we eventually just made like a streamlined rules, set of rules for ourselves that we can play. So that we can play how, how we wanted without getting bogged down in all these nonsense rules. And there's some, I'm sure there's some Starfleet Battles purists out there who say, oh, the rules are very important and stuff like that. And that's fine. And if you, if you went through all the trouble of memorizing all, the, all, all those rules and you can keep it in your head, by all means, I cannot read a rule book that way. You know, I didn't sign up for Starfleet. I just want to play a game like Star Trek. <laughs> and I think um, when when that game, when I was playing that game, was when like uh, Interplay had all those Star Trek games on the computers, on the uh, PCs and stuff. And those were way more fun because <laughs> it was just point and click. It wasn't like memorizing, you know, a big thick book full of rules. And that was just like the basic system. And there were expansions. We had expansions and stuff like that. It was a pain in the butt. Anyway. There's one more thing I want to talk about, because uh, while I was sick, I was able to catch up on Rick and Morty. Um, so I think this is an excellent show. I will say it's about, it's about 10 or 11 of 13 stars, just a shooting from the hip rating. And, uh, but here's the thing about Rick and Morty. S- uh, they sometimes brush up against preachy content. All right? It's almost as if they think religion and science cannot exist in the same dimension, much less this, any single mind. So be careful, Rick and Morty. Be careful. And don't think that we don't notice the days that you phoned it in. Interdimensional cable, etc. Those recordings that you use. And it's like, oh, it's good enough. Have the, have, the, have the voice guy just react and huh, we'll use that. We notice when you phone, uh, phone it in. All right? Not everyone who watches Adult Swim is high and dealing with ADD. All right, let's go ahead and get into the news worth knowing. All right, so, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Blackburn questions ICE DHS on spending $86.9 million on hotels for migrants. All right. Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn is demanding answers from the Department of Homeland Security and Immigration and Customs Enforcement Tuesday with over $86.9 million. News worth knowing. <laughs> $86.9 million the agencies are spending to house more than 1,200 migrant families in hotel rooms. The Biden administration earlier this month awarded ICE an $86.9 million contract through Texas-based nonprofit Endeavors for hotel rooms near the border to provide temporary shelter and processing services for families who have been expelled from the United States but have been placed in immigration, uh, immigration proceedings for their removal. But Blackburn, the Republican from Tennessee, in a letter to DHS Secretary, Secretary Alejandro, Alejandro Mayorkas and ICE Acting Director Tay Johnson is questioning the pro- nonprofit's fi- uh, past financial disclosures and how the new contract funds will be used. Blackbird said in 2018, Endeavors brought in over $38 million to, in contri- contributions and grants. and noted that IRS filings showed that nearly $22 million of almost half of those contributions went to salaries. 
This raises, qu raises questions if half of the $86.9 million in ICE contract uh, proceeds will likewise be uh, allocated towards employee and executive compensation instead of migrant services or housing. Blackburn wrote, as the contract, current, current, as the con current contract stands, the costs to, cast, uh, to taxpayers for housing 1,200 migrant families for six months is about $71,000 per person. Jeez. For a family of four, that amounts to a shocking $284,000, enough to buy a small house. Uh, the ICE contract with Endeavors provides uh, 1,239 beds and other necessity services for families, including comprehensive health assessment for COVID and COVID-19 testing. Other services provided Endeavors for migrant families navigating uh, the U.S. immigration process include victim services, therapeutic regimens, uh, educational resources, and mental health care. Endeavors also could uh, culturally appropriate... Hold on. Endeavors offers, also offers culturally appropriate trauma-informed, child-centered ch case management, home study, and post-release services for unaccompanied children and their sponsors. Blackburn, though, raised concerns that Endeavor CEO John Allman did not provide specific details about the contract when asked. It is unclear whether this nonprofit has ever previously managed a contract of this magnitude, housed a migrant population of this size, or served vulnerable children without putting them at further risk. Blackburn was referring to Allman's, uh, Allman's comments earlier this month when he confirmed the contract with DHS that it will provide critical services to migrant families, which is a continuation of services that will be delivered to the migrant population since 2012. Allman deferred questions regarding the specific details about the contract to ICE. Uh, DHS and ICE must, must provide commitments to assure Congress and the American public that Endeavors is up to the tasks of, uh, of securely and efficiently housing illegal immigrants without resulting waste in waste to the abuse of the taxpayer dollars or worse, harming vulnerable migrant children. Blackburn wrote. He went on to demand the un unredacted copy of the $86.9 million contract and answers as to which hotels would supply rooms for the migrants, which rates would, uh, what, rate, what rates they would be charging, and who, whether Endeavors or DHS, will be responsible for compensating the hotels. Blackburn also requested information about child children's safety, questioning whether migrant children would ever be placed in a situation where they're unsupervised by a parent or a guardian or left alone with Endeavor staffer. Blackburn also asked whether ICE was in, uh, requiring Endeavors to conduct background checks in workers on vol and volunteers amid reports that the Office of Refugee Resettlement, Resettlement between 2015 and 2019 received more than 4,500 4, allegations of sexual abuse and sexual harassment against children in facilities. Jeez. Blackburn said 178 of these complaints were against staff at the shelters. Meanwhile, Blackburn also said, asked if nonprofits would be subject to the same rigorous security standards as private detention facilities. Quote, does ICE have any plans to eventually eliminate private and legal immigration facilities? He wrote. He demanded answers from Mayorkas and Johnson by April 15th. The number of migrant children in federal custody has surged past 4,000, with roughly 94% of beds of migrant children occupied, sources told Fox News, while ad adding that migrant children are entering the federal custody faster than they are leaving creating, and creating a black backlog. Um, Customs and Border Protection announced that uh, the agency counted 100,441 100, individuals in February, a 28% increase over January, the agency said. Of those, 19,246 individuals were in family units, 9,457 were unaccompanied children, and 71,598 were single adults. 
Um, I could sit here and say all day is like we should kick them all out of our country. I could say that. I could say that, but I, you know, I, I have compassion in my heart. You know, it, but here's the thing: it's like when we got the first real big influx of Americans here in the United States, it was a ton of European immigrants coming from uh, New York. You know, and that's when they we built like Ellis Island and stuff like that, and we like screened people for medical procedures there for you know infectious disease and so forth. Uh, we screened them on the island. You know, we, they housed them on the island. It may have <laughs> may not have been very nice, but I mean, once we received those, started receiving all those immigrants coming in. You know, I th- I think at that time, you know, America was just more, um, I don't know, open to the idea <laughs> of immigration at the time because there was a ton of land. And, you know, there still is. Considering the amount of uh, land mass we have in our population, you know, we still have a lot of uh, acres per capita, you know what I mean? And so, I mean, uh, it's not like there's not room for them here. You know, asking the taxpayer to put them in hotels, I don't know if that's right. I don't know if that's right. I know I just contradicted myself, but, you know, if if, if we're talking about facilities at the border, you know, uh, like a new Ellis Island somewhere in the southwest where we can, you know, screen these people properly for infectious disease before we either boot them out or they illegally immigrate, legally immigrate into America. All right. Because that's the difference is like all those Europeans that were coming here, you know, they were legally immigrating. They were filling out paperwork and stuff. A lot of these people down on the southern border aren't doing anything like that. You know, you'd be lucky if they speak English. Even if they lived here for 10 years, they probably still wouldn't speak English. Even if you let them loose inside the border, which I think this is what the Democrats are going to want to do, even if you let them loose in 10 years, they probably still won't speak English. Anyway, let's go on to this next story. San Diego public school teachers to give migrant kids in-person instruction before their own students. Teachers from San Diego uh, Unified School District are teaching migrant children in person before their own students, Fox News has learned. SDUSD students are currently learning in an online-only format and expected to move into a hybrid model on April 12th, where they'll be learning in a combination of in-person and online formats, according to the school district's website. Quote, we have 130,000 kids who who haven't been allowed in the classroom for over a year in the San Diego Unified School District. It's great that there's in-person learning for those unaccompanied minors from Central America, but I wish every child in San Diego County was allowed the same opportunity for in-person teaching, San Diego County Supervisor Jim Desmond told Fox News. Quote, the system is broken when San Diego teachers are teaching migrant children in person, but 100,000-plus students of taxpaying families in San Diego Unified School District are, sh- are stuck learning in Zoom school, Emily Diaz, a SDUSD parent, told Fox News in an email. Uh, spokeswoman, oh, it's always supposed to be spokesperson if it's not a woman. But if it's, spokes, if it's actually a woman, you say spokeswoman. You don't want to say spokesman. Even if it's a man, you don't want to say spokesman. Anyway, an SDUSD spokeswoman confirmed to Fox News that the, dis- uh, the district has shared information about the opportunity for teachers to volunteer teaching migrant children in person during their spring break this week. She noted she, uh, she, she doesn't know if teachers are getting paid, saying that it's up to, up to the county. Quote, the San Diego Office, excuse me, the San Diego County Office of Education is providing an educational program for unaccompanied migrant children who will be staying in the San Diego Convention Center through July. All children in California, regardless of immigration status, have a constitutional right to education, 
but we also have a moral obligation to ensure a bright future for our children, the SDCOE spokesperson told Fox News in an emailed statement. Quote, the educational... Whoop, knock the mic again. This mic is... Uh, All right, I'm good. All right, the educational program will include English language development and social-emotional social learning opportunities. The teachers who are participating in the program are doing so voluntarily, and the program is following a COVID-19 screening protocol based upon guidelines from the U.S. Centers of Disease Control and Prevention. For more than a year, parents and students of the San Diego County have waited for educators to answer one question. Will our schools reopen with in-person instruction only? And for a year, they've been told to wait. Representative, uh, Representative Daryl Issa from California told Fox News. Quote, the decision to provide an in-person instruction to legal, legal mig illegal migrants is outrageous and parents have every right to be angry. We are begging California Governor Newsom and the U.S. Department of Education, where our superintendent is going, rescue us. This is an SOS. They must mandate five days in-person learning for all students. Diaz, the S the SD USD parent told Fox News. Yeah, that's a little caustic. <laughs> Relax. All right, we'll we'll take care of it. All right. <laughs> uh, quote: 14% of our uh, district are students with disabilities, and 23% are English language learners. San Diego Unified took in millions of dollars of relief funding to bring them back to the beginning of the school year, but only 6,000 are in person today, and we have no idea how that money was used. She added, "What is happening right now is immoral." It is immoral. It is immoral. But you know what? The Democrats are in power, so they don't care. They don't care. They care about getting those migrants voting for blue people, Democrats. They want to get, they want to get those people in there because they think all these Catholic people are going to be voting for Democrats. Anyway, speaking of arrogant Democrats, <laughs> let's go on to this next story. Uh, CNN's Jim Acosta roasted for wearing obnoxious, self-flattering shirt during a coronavirus vaccine photo. Okay, so social media had a field day with CNN's Jim Acosta on Monday night when the former White House correspondent posted a photo of himself donning a self-aggrandizing t-shirt about his reporting. Quickly became, became a trending topic as he was called a narcissist by critics. I can't believe that they're just now catching on without this. Jim Acosta's a narcissist. You didn't know that? Anyway, while receiving a coronavirus vaccine, the infamously vain journalist, journalist uh, wore a t-shirt with the text. Get ready, because this is a, it's a long, long t-shirt. <clears throat> it had the text on it said, in 2020, I covered the impeachment trial and a caucus night that lasted a week, parenthetically, and the primaries and COVID pandemic and the economic crash and the racial justice protest and Lafayette Square and so many rallies, and the death of our RBG, and President's 1 a.m. coronavirus diagnosis, and the Supreme Court confirmation, and, and, election, and election night that lasted a week, and things by tweet, and the recounts, and the presidential transition, and I have a commemorative shirt to prove it. What an arrogant D-bag. In case, uh, thinking about saying something. Quote, my goodness, this t-shirt is quite a way of screaming that you are a certifiable narcissist. Newsbusters manager, editor Chris Houck wrote, Jim Acosta has to be in the top 10 of the most self-centered journalists and Americans, period. Oh, I'm top three. Easily. Easily. 
I mean, Shapiro's been saying for years, is like, ladies, get you somebody who loves you like Jim Acosta loves Jim, Jim Acosta. And you know what? That's true. <laughs> That's true. That's good advice, ladies. Anyway, Acosta emerged as a hero of the anti-Trump resistance over the past four years and often made himself the center of attention by shouting questions, grandstanding during press briefings, and arguing with members of the Trump administration. Quote, somebody should probably inform Jim that he's contributing to vaccine refusal rates by continuing to make every, everything as obnoxious, self-flattering spectacle, journalist Michael Tracy wrote. The shirt is currently on sale at the White House Correspondents Association website. I don't think he needed to put that in there. Who would want to buy that other than Jim Acosta? Right? <laughs> Many others mocked his choice. Uh, you know, they get a bunch of tweet people. I don't know. People, I don't know. I think I saw one from Tim Pool here. Here it is. Tim Pool. He tweeted in response to the Jim Acosta shirt. Uh, if you ever wondered what Ego Incarnate would look like, here you go. Yeah. So late last year, uh, Acosta was mocked for claiming that Trump was in, quote, an experience that might merit, merit hazard pay. What a douche. Anyway, Acosta, <laughs> pay me more money. Acosta was moved off the White House beat with the, with the Trump presidency ended. <laughs> During his time in the White House, Acosta had been known for a, a combative style of questioning members in the, of the administration, favoring, favoring bombastic editorializing over disinterested reporting. <laughs> he sparred with everyone from former press, press secretary Kayleigh McEnany uh, to former senior policy advisor Stephen Miller to Trump himself. He famously refused to give up a microphone in 2018 after he engaged in a contentious back and forth with Trump at a press conference. I remember that press conference. It, it seemed like Trump was just going to like walk out of the room or just run across the room and strangle him. You know? And it looked like it looked like in the moment that you could see in Trump's mind, it's like, I better leave before I strangle this guy. <laughs> Acosta, accosted, accosting, Acosta, refused to pass the microphone to the female White House aide, and there was a brief contact between the two. His White House pass was revoked later that day and was eventually restored when CNN argued that it violated the network and cost us First and Fifth Amendment rights. And they're probably right about that. Uh, the encounter with the aide didn't change his style as Acosta continued his aggressive behavior towards the members of the Trump administration. But I think CNN should, should have replaced him. They should have sent somebody else to do that. Uh, network has no rights? <laughs> The network, uh, EK saying is like the network doesn't uh, uh, doesn't have rights because it's not a human being, and I think that that's fair. But the the journalists are human beings, and I mean, so I guess maybe that's the that was the decision that was made is like because Jim Acosta is a reporter and uh, has a press pass, even if it doesn't matter what brand, what network he works for, he still has the the right to to the press, First Amendment. It was just, he he was a dick, and they they needed to warn him. And I think the CNN should have sent somebody out. To uh to replace him on that in that beat for their for their network. Yep. Anyway, so Caitlin Collins replaced Acosta as CNN's uh, chief White House correspondent when Biden took office because she's not gonna say shit. And I I don't think even Jim Acosta could keep quiet with about Biden right now. Anyway, <clears throat> oh boy. All right, I want to talk a little bit <clears throat> about these uh, hate crimes that are on the rise. NYPD seeks information after video of brutal subway beating emerges. And I think this is one of two incidents that happened in New York. All right, New York Police Department Hate Crimes Unit 
appealed to the public on Monday for information on a video posted on social media that captures a brutal beating inside a subway car. Police retweeted the video of an altercation that shows an unidentified assailant pummeling a person who was described as an Asian male. The video was taken aboard a Manhattan-bound J-train. The video begins with the individual dressed in black quickly getting an upper hand and then landing punch after punch. Uh, nobody on the train uh, intervenes in the fight. Shame on you. And, and that ended with a man dressed in white appearing to be knocked unconscious. Governor Andrew Cuomo said in a statement, these hateful acts of violence have no place in New York, period. The misguided rhetoric, which has vilified Asian Americans throughout this pandemic, is highly dangerous. And now we are seeing more and more painful real-life consequences. Now, I just want to say that there has been a lot of these hate crimes involving Asians, and they seem, I don't know if I am even allowed to say this, but they seem to be perpetrated by a certain type of person, all right? And I think that a lot of us know, you know, that, you know, uh, black people have, t- have a lot of, ha- have some racism towards Asian people. And so I just, you going to say something, Eric? The Mongols, <laughs> the gang? They ruled China for a while. The Mongols ruled China. That's Circle K advice, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Do you know when that happened? That's 1200s, I think. Anyway, but, you know, there was another incident that happened that was caught on security, uh, uh, security footage where, uh, I think Ben Shapiro talked about it. That's why I chose, chose this story today is because um, – um, in the security tape footage, some guy is just walking down the street, and like uh, this happened on Sunday, I think. Some small, you know, Asian woman's walking to church, and some big black guy just comes up and starts and like kicks her, just starts kicking her over and over again. And you got two security guards, you know, who are out there. They just close the door so they don't have to deal with it, you know. And there's a lot of things that can be said about that. You could talk about, you know, the racism that people don't want to talk about. People don't want to talk about, you know, uh, minority on mo- minority hate crimes. They don't want to talk about that because when they talk about hate crimes, the media's narrative wants to be white man bad, all right? That's what they want it to be. But if it's minority on minority, like it is in like all these murder capitals in the United States, you know, because black people are killing black people in Chicago, the media doesn't really want to talk about that. But it's like every single weekend, you know, a couple dozen people die in Chicago. The media doesn't cover that. You know, they don't want to cover some some narrative that doesn't help spin this idea that all white people are Nazis. And it's not it's not true. The number the percentage of racism that you find in white people is way lower than other ethnic groups, including Asians, including black people. Okay, I don't know if you've seen a movie called Don't Be a Menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. But there is a scene where he's sitting there talking about, you boys, need, you guys need to quit using, see, look, I did it, I became racist. I said, boys, my bad. You guys need to quit using the word N-word. You know, that's what, a, that's what the white man has been using to <laughs> keep down the, uh, the people of another race. Oh, by the way, Romney, pick up that dry cleaner from the chink motherfucker down the street. All right? Black people can be racist. There's lots of people, black people who are racist. And I think the percentage of black people who are racist are, is far bigger than the percentage of white people who are racist. Certainly, we're, I, don't, I don't see uh, much video coming out with all the cameras in the world. I don't see a whole lot of videos of some white guy just randomly attacking a black guy on the street. 
And you could sit there and argue all day. It's like, well, all those racist guys are cops, and that's what they, that's what they do with the, uh, the badge and the gun. And it's like, you know, fuck you. I'm tired of that narrative. I'm tired of that nonsensical narrative. You know? Video, video it, it comes out, when the violence comes out, video tells the tale. You know? People don't want to talk about it because they want, they want to focus on this narrative. That white people bad. And it's not true. We're not all bad. We're not all bad. Anyway. You know, there's good and bad of, of every race. You know what I mean? And you, uh, you need to weed it out. Weed it out of your own life and the life of your family. You know, it's like, okay, it's like my perception is a little racist. Uh, he, he comes from the 80s. He says, boy, when he talks to <laughs> You know, try to correct yourself, absolutely. But, you know, have a little forgiveness in your heart. And certainly don't walk down the street kicking, you know, bullying, bullying. It's, it's kind of violence I didn't even see in, in, like, grade school years, in the 70s and 80s, a beating like that. It's awful. It's awful. Anyway, I got two more stories to get through in the next couple minutes. Oxford music professors deem sheet music to be colonialist. Says curriculum needs to be decolonized. Oh, Oxford. Oh, England. What are you doing? <coughs> anyway, staff members within the University of Oxford's music department have deemed sheet music to be colonialist and have suggested ways to decolonize the curriculum. Professors say that music notation has, quote, sh uh, shaken off its connection to its, has not shaken off its connection to its colonial past. <sighs> and that not, and that not rebranding it would be a slap in the face to students of color, according to the documents reviewed by the British outlet, The Telegraph. Yeah, it's absurd, dude. The white faculty, the, I'm sorry, excuse <laughs> They're British, of course they're white. The same faculty also reportedly questioned whether the current curriculum was a complicit in white supremacy, pointing to the programs focused on white European music from the slave period, composers like Mozart and Beethoven. God damn. They're going to cancel Mozart and Beethoven. They own slaves. The professors further suggested that certain classical music skills, like playing the piano and conducting a classical or orchestra arrangement, ought not to be required because they structurally center on white European <laughs> music and cause students of color great distress. What? The faculty members said the curriculum should broaden its music offerings with studies like African and African diasporic mu musics. Oh, why is that one you list first? Why did you list that one first? Global musics and popular musics. Oxford's music curriculum offers, already offers uh, non-Eurocentric course options, but the professors who proposed those changes in the school's early all-white faculty gives the privilege to white musicians by default. Oh, my God. I don't want to read any more of this story because it's just, it's absurd. It's absurd. Music is like a written language. It's like, it's like a language. It's a written language. All right? And it's just like this Latin X nonsense, you know? If you're not going to tell me there's a difference between a Filipino and a Filipina, you're out of your mind. Latinx at the Olympics, X Games? That sounds like... That's where something, a phrase like Latinx belongs, is at the X Games. EK's right. Yeah. Latinx is a team at the X Games. All right. We got one more story. One more story. Um, and I like to end on a happy note. 
Mom upset after baby's Bluetooth nightlight allegedly picked up audio from neighbor's adult film. A mother in Scotland got scared when she heard strange noises coming from her baby's bedroom late at night, only to realize later that her tot's Bluetooth nightlight had picked up the sounds of a neighbor watching an X-rated film. Over the weekend, Dawn Lothian and Josh McKay uh, were watching TV at their Edinburgh home uh, when they heard mysterious moaning from their their baby daughter, River's bedroom. Southwest News Service reports. Startled, the mom rushed to investigate and said that the sleeping five-month-old was about to wake up to the noisy sounds of an adult film inexplicably, 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 blaring through the Bluetooth device. Quote, when I went, when I went, when I went through, I was like, oh my goodness, Lothian 29 recalled. You could tell in an instant what it was. (laughs) You didn't need to know the language to know that it was happening. So there were Russian words, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Blasnoga. Bless you know? <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Moskova. Anyway, <laughs> quote, it was quite loud. My daughter was starting to toss and turn. The nightlight, which Lothian purchased through Amazon, plays music and projects stars, she said. Lothian added that uh, she assumed somebody had accidentally connected to the device, but she wasn't about to let that happen again. The next day, the proactive parent posted a note on the door of the shared building to call out the unknown culprit. Whoever was watching porn last night at 11.30 p.m. has connected their device to our baby's nightlight. Can you please disconnect ASAP? Thanks. Lothian wrote. (laughs) Ever since, the mom says, a scolding has seemed to have worked. Lothian told the Daily Record that she hasn't heard an explicit beep from the Bluetooth device since posting the open letter. And I think this is probably the best way to deal with something like this, you go all Martin Luther with it, and so uh, I think that that I think that that's it's a hilarious story. I'm glad that the child probably didn't hear anything, and even if it did, it probably wouldn't remember anything. The parents knew what it was, so uh, I want to ask you: It's like if you do choose to use your port, make sure you're connecting to the right Bluetooth device, all right? Because there's plenty of embarrassing things that can happen in these days when it comes to Bluetooth devices. Anyway. So this is the end of the show. I want to remind you to go over to patreon.com slash shockmonkeyradio. Become a patron. I would appreciate it. You can also advertise there. Uh, I would appreciate it. You can also send me cash. Do cash app. Use the cash tag shockmonkeyradio. I also have books available for purchase online. Search for uh, shock, uh, Scott L. Robbins on uh, Amazon for my books for digital download. Scott L. Robbins with two T's and two B's. I would appreciate it. I also want to remind you about my YouTube channel. Uh, I might have a lot more content coming your way on YouTube. Um, uh, soon, I'll let you know. You can follow, search for Shock Monkey Radio on YouTube. And so we may have a lot more coming there. You know, like, share, and subscribe to those videos. I would appreciate it because content like mine is shadow banned all throughout the world. And I was just, um, I was just talking. It's like, it's like podcasts are one of the only things that are not censored as aggressively. I don't know why that is. I really don't know why it is. But yeah, you kind of, you kind of go to go seeking, seeking podcasts, I guess. And so, um, yeah, I want to remind you to like follow me everywhere on social media. If you can find me, you know, I would appreciate it. You know, send me some cash, help me out. I I would appreciate it. I would appreciate it. So, uh, we'll pick it up next week. And, uh, this has been shock monkey radio. I'm the madman and I love you. <laughs>